Welcome to the first season of Murder and 20 podcast, where I, Bobby Stevens, am your host with a new episode every Wednesday. If you're a serious fan of true crime and love listening to podcasts, but don't want all that small talk, you've come to the right place. We get right to the facts. Murder and 20 episodes are concise and complete in 20 minutes. Less talk and more true crime. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. Please note this episode contains details of child abuse that some may find difficult. Please listen at your own discretion. Salisbury is a small town on the east coast of the U.S. that had a population of 33,000 when young Erica Lynn Parsons disappeared in 2011. The town lays claim to some of the great names in American history like George Washington, Andrew Jackson, and Daniel Boone. The town's tree-lined streets are home to historic churches, colleges, and museums, while vineyards dot the nearby green rolling hills. Downtown, the Amtrak trains squeal on the steel tracks as they speed away to big cities like New York, Washington, and New Orleans. But unfortunately, Erica would never get the chance to escape to a big city. Erica had chocolate hair and dark brown eyes to match. She was born February 24, 1998, in Concord, North Carolina, to a single mother, Carolyn, who already had three children. Carolyn couldn't afford to raise a fourth child, and Erica's father, Billy Goodman, was out of the picture and Carolyn didn't want Erica to suffer the same struggles she did growing up in foster care in homeless shelters. So when Erica was five months old, she went to live with Carolyn's brother Sandy Parsons and his wife Casey, a short 30-minute drive away in Salisbury, North Carolina. In 2000, it should have been happily ever after when Sandy and Casey adopted Erica, but sadly this fairy tale involved an abusive adoptive father and a wicked stepmother who enacted horrible mental and physical abuse on Erica her entire short life. Sandy and Casey had three other children who enjoyed a normal life, but not for Erica. For some unknown reason, she was singled out to suffer their abuse. She was homeschooled and isolated from other children. She was slightly hearing impaired, was developmentally disabled, and her body malnourished. According to the Charlotte Observer, on November 19, 2011, at her family home on Miller Chapel Road, Erica was being punished and forced to stand in a corner. Her brother, 19-year-old Jamie Parsons, says she looked like a zombie. Her face was pale, and she said she wasn't feeling good and couldn't breathe. Her adopted mother, Casey, heard this and told Erica to shut up. That was the last time Jamie saw his sister. The next morning when Jamie awoke, Erica was gone, and so were his parents. He felt something wasn't right, and when his parents returned later in the day, he described his mama as looking normal, but his daddy had a blank stare. When Jamie asked Casey where Erica was, she replied she'd gone to live with her grandmother. Irene Goodman, or Nan as she was referred to, lived 130 miles away in Asheville, North Carolina. It had been almost two years since Jamie saw sister Erica, when he had a big fight with his parents and they forced him to leave the house. Jamie responded by reporting Erica missing to the Romans County Sheriff's Office. It was July 30th, 2013. He told police about the abuse Erica suffered at the hands of her parents and that he believed they had killed her and buried her in the backyard. Multiple law enforcement agencies from local, state, and federal jurisdictions participated in the search for Erica and during their investigation conducted interviews, property searches, and looked for the mysterious grandmother Nan. From the beginning, police didn't believe Sandy and Case's story of Nan, 
even when Erica's mom Casey declared in an interview with WBTV that Erica wasn't missing, stating that she was at Nan's house and declared she had just talked to Erica in February of 2012, shortly before her 14th birthday, and that she was fine. Police never did locate Nan, and they knew Casey was lying. On August 20th and 21st, 2013, Sandy and Casey Parsons were guests on the Dr. Phil TV show. They claimed Erica was alive and well, and the reason she didn't take any personal belongings with her when she left was because Nan had purchased new clothing for her. And they claimed that when Nan and a woman named Strawberry picked up Erica, the van was filled with new clothes for her. Sandy agreed to a polygraph test, and it was administered by a former FBI agent. However, before the test could be completed, Casey claimed to be experiencing extreme pain. Agent considered the partial results strongly deceptive. Sandy and Casey claimed that their other daughter, Brooke, had been with them when they took Erica to Asheville to be with Nan. However, Brooke would later dispute this with the police. Nearby residents wouldn't let themselves or others forget about Erica. Billboards were erected with her picture, and numerous vigils were held over the years since she went missing. As reported by WCNC-TV, a vigil for Eric on September 17, 2013 was organized by a young musician named Brian Young. In an attempt to reach people who may not have seen Eric on TV or in the newspapers, he wrote a rap song and video to spread the word that Erica was missing. But vigils and songs weren't enough to bring Erica home. On August 27, 2013, Sandy and Casey packed up what was left of their family and moved 139 miles southeast to Fayetteville, North Carolina. But in less than a year, the Department of Social Services removed their two youngest biological children, Sadie and Toby, from their home and placed them with family members. In the November 2013 timeline of the murder by WSOC-TV, Erica's adoptive grandfather said he regretted not asking more questions about her disappearance, and during the course of her disappearance, other family members mentioned similar sentiments. It's extremely sad that no one who knew Erica did anything to help her. If only one person had gone to the authorities and reported the abuse, perhaps Erica would be alive today. The investigation continued into Erica's disappearance, and the sheriff's $10,000 reward grew to $50,000, but no amount of reward would bring Erica back home. Then on July 30, 2014, Sandy and Casey were arrested in Fayetteville and charged with federal fraud. Remember when they claimed Erica went to live with Nan? Well, they didn't advise the authorities she was no longer living with them and continued to cash the $634 monthly checks they received for adoption assistance. Since Erica had disappeared, the checks totaled more than $12,000. Their fraud trial began in February 2015, and the testimony would shock everyone. Erica's brother Jamie Parsons and her aunt Robin Ashley revealed the abuse that Erica suffered at the hands of her parents. The most disturbing testimony came from Erica's brother Jamie, who claimed that he, his sister, and both his parents would routinely abuse Erica, and her father Sandy would get mad and punch Erica in the head until she had a bald spot, and that Casey encouraged the abuse. He also claimed that Erica was denied food, and when she was allowed to eat, she was forced to eat dog food out of a can. She had been forced to sleep in a closet and not let out to go to the bathroom, then beaten when she relieved herself. Her hand was slammed in a door and her tooth knocked out. She received beatings with the belt buckle severe enough that they broke her skin. She was choked, thrown to the ground, and her fingers bent back so far they broke. Jamie admitted to breaking her arm. Then Casey's sister Robin testified that she saw bruises and marks on Erica 
and that Casey beat her and made her stand in the corner often, and that at one point Casey gave Erica to Robin to look after her for a few months, saying that it was so she wouldn't kill her, and she admitted to Robin that she had lost control and assaulted Erica. There are a few photos of Erica, but she is always smiling, like the one in the Charlotte Observer. She has a toothy grin, her dark hair shoulder length with short bangs. She's standing on a beach wearing a red and white striped bathing suit with Mickey and Minnie Mouse on the front, while the tides move in and the waves rush up behind her. A little girl that was happy, at least in that fleeting moment. During their fraud trial, prosecutors presented evidence that Casey had carried out other scams. She offered her services as a surrogate and was paid $10,000. After she got the money, she told the mother-to-be that she had miscarried, but she was still pregnant. Casey went on to scam two other couples who thought they were adopting the baby. She then tried to sell the baby to her sister, Robin. Fortunately, Robin had a conscience and contacted the first mother-to-be to let her know Casey was still pregnant, and she went to the police and eventually got custody of the baby when it was born. Both Sandy and Casey were convicted of fraud. On March 26, 2015, Judge Thomas Schroeder sentenced Casey to 10 years in prison along with $41,000 in restitution and sentenced Sandy to 8 years in prison and $14,000 in restitution. Casey was sent to Carswell Federal Medical Center in Texas while Sandy was sent to Butner Federal Prison in North Carolina. As reported by WBTV, the judge described Erica Parsons as a defenseless little girl who only wanted to be loved, but instead was the victim of extreme abuse, and that he believed Erica died in 2011 in a horrible, horrible act committed in the dark of night. In September, two of Salisbury's residents took it upon themselves to contact Robert Larson of K-9 Specialties to bring his dog to Salisbury to search for Erica. Shannon Moss and Wanda Rogers had no association with the police investigation or even knew Erica, but felt a deep need to do what they could to locate a little girl. They, along with others, privately donated funds for the search to find Erica. As reported by WBTV, Wanda said, We don't want people to forget she's still missing. She's not been found. We've got to find her. She's a human being. If something really bad happened to her, She's been thrown away like a piece of trash, and she's not a piece of trash. She's a little girl. She deserves to be found, and I'm not giving up. Robert and his canine teams arrived on Thursday and organized several searches over the Labor Day weekend. Sadly, they did not find Erica. In August 2016, Erica had been missing for almost five years, and investigators hadn't given up on finding her. When, in an unexpected twist... Sandy admitted to police that Erica was dead. He described the abuse she'd endured at the hands of her parents and her family and told them where they could find her little body. As reported by Fox News in Charlotte, Sandy told the district attorney, Casey told me that Erica had died. Casey said Erica committed suicide with pills. Before I woke up, Casey had already put Erica's body inside two plastic trash bags, which were inside a plastic tote. And when Sandy asked Casey why Erica didn't sting, she says that she'd poured bleach all over her. Sandy told them that on December 19, 2011, Erica had been buried in a small grave on his mother's property nearby in Pageland, South Carolina. 
On September 20th, the judge issued an order allowing an escort team to take custody of Sandy and transport him from Butner Prison to Pageland to lead investigators to Erica's grave. On September 26th, Sandy led them to Erica. WBTV reported that the guards who took him into the woods were in and out within a minute, and within 30 to 45 minutes, the cadaver dog confirmed where little Erica was buried. Investigators immediately began collecting evidence. All that were left were Erica's skull and bones. She had been buried naked. A cold ending for a child who'd endured so much evil and pain in her short life. Sandy reportedly was crying when he returned to the police car. It's unknown if those tears were for Erica or for himself. On Saturday, 25, 2017, the First Baptist Church in Salisbury held a funeral for Erica. Her tiny white casket draped in spring flowers in pink, purple, and white. Pastor Dave Kenneth Lenz, who officiated, said, This is such a tragic story. Our community, our law enforcement, they need closure. They need to say that this life mattered. Though most of us never met Erica Parsons, we have a responsibility to protect and make sure that they flourish, and she's a symbol of that and a reminder of our responsibility as a community to do just that. Erica is buried at the West Lawn Memorial Park in China Grove. Her funeral and headstone were graciously donated. Her name is engraved boldly on the granite headstone topped by a bench seat where a life-size granite angel sits on one side. Stoic with her left hand resting on Erica's headstone, her wings are spread wide to protect a little girl so that she may rest in peace. Detectives of the Sheriff's Office delivered the skeletal remains of an adolescent girl to the coroner. The bags and envelopes contained most of Erica's remains, but not all. Some bones were missing. The autopsy performed by the North Carolina Office of the Medical Examiner reported fractures in various stages of healing on six of her left ribs, three of her right ribs, her nose, her jaw, her upper right arm, and several of her vertebrae. Fractures which were found to be consistent with multiple blunt injuries over a prolonged period of time. The growth deficit and low bone density were consistent with malnourishment. Their investigation determined Erica injured physical and emotional abuse over a long period of time by her adoptive parents. And the description Jamie noted just before her disappearance suggested she may have been suffering from an untreated infection, renal failure, or poisoning. Erica was last seen by a pediatrician in September 2014 when she was six years old, and at that time the doctor had expressed concern for her poor growth. The autopsy concluded that Erica died of homicidal violence of undetermined means. The Sheriff's Office received the autopsy report on January 9, 2018, and within six weeks completed their investigation, which led to criminal charges. On February 19, a grand jury indicted Sandy and Casey on first-degree murder, felony child abuse inflicting serious injury, felony concealment of death, and felony obstruction of justice. Prosecutors were seeking the death penalty for both Sandy and Casey. On August 2, 2019, almost six years since Erica was killed, a plea deal was reached with Casey Parsons. She pled guilty to first-degree murder. In a photo featured in the Charlotte Observer, Casey is wearing a black t-shirt emblazoned with the phrase, Hunter, caution, may be loaded. That phrase couldn't have been a more accurate description of a murderer. Erica was the prey and Casey hunted her in her own home, kept her captive and killed her. WCNC in Charlotte reported that during her court appearance, Casey said she failed Erica. 
In the end, I failed her by choosing one child over another child. I want to say I'm sorry to God and to Erica. God gave me a precious gift, a baby girl Erica, and he trusted me to take care of her, and I failed him, and I failed Erica. I failed her horribly. Casey did not mention the pain, the cruelty, or the abuse, or why she had to choose one child over another. Casey was sentenced to life without possibility of parole and will serve 23 years in addition to her 10 years for fraud. On December 17, 2019, Sandy Parsons pled guilty to second-degree murder, child abuse, concealment of death, and obstruction and was sentenced to between 33 and 43 years in prison. As reported by WBTV, Sandy offered an apology. He apologized to his family. Most of all, I'm sorry to Erica. It makes me sick to my stomach to know that I know now what my daughter went through. Because a dad is there to care and to keep his children safe and to love them. I turned a blind eye as to what Erica was going through and I failed her as a dad. I find the part of him knowing what I know now, what Erica went through, he knew then and did nothing about it. It's not lost on us that if Sandy and Casey hadn't been greedy and kept the money they received in adoption assistance while they claimed Erica was living with Nan, they may not be in jail today. Luckily, that wasn't the case, and both of Erica's killers will spend the rest of their lives in prison. Thanks for listening to Murder in 20 with less talk and more true crime. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday for the episode of Russell Williams, who hid in plain sight as one of Canada's highest-ranking military members. As a commander-in-chief at the country's largest military base, no one suspected him of committing 82 break-ins, let alone murder. He was on his way to becoming a serial killer when he was stopped dead in his tracks. If you're dying to hear more, past episodes of Murder in 20 are available for free at murderin20.com and on all major podcast platforms. We love what we do and are dying to continue. If you enjoy listening to Murder in 20 every week, we'd be eternally grateful for your support by visiting Murder in 20 at Patreon, PayPal, or murderin20.com. We'd like to acknowledge Purple Planet for use of their music, sound effects and fasting studios and quick sounds, and our many editorial sources who are listed on our website. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Stay safe, sleep with the lights on, and don't play with strangers.